This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Halftime Show podcast. Oh, he loves the fire and what a goal! This is the Halftime Show with Umar Adouri on Pulse 95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Salam and welcome to the Halftime Show with Omar Duri. I am your host covering everything sport, international, local. Coming up on today's show, has anyone watched the, the Diego Maradona movie? Now, if you haven't, you have to go watch it. It was amazing with plenty to talk about. So that's why we're going to do that today. Talk about his incredible life. Now, that's one thing that's um, taken a lot of the shine off the, you know, Ronaldo, sorry, Maradona's life. Especially with a lot of records being broken like Cristiano Ronaldo and Leo Messi. And who is the greatest of all time? We hear that talk all the time. But this segment is going to be dedicated to Maradona and his life. Now, we've heard of his things off the field. But what he's done on the field is unquestionable. Racism is also one of the topics I'm going to be talking about today. And I don't really like bringing this up because I don't want to shed light on ignorant, uneducated people. But an incident happened in Bulgaria which actually saw almost... The whole game abandoned. So we're going to be talking about that too. Game of Zones is back. Yes, people. Game of Zones is back. And it's the game of the weekend, which I will zone into for everyone. Any idea what's going to be the game of the weekend? It's going to be a great show, guys. All this and more coming up on the Halftime Show with me, Omar Duri, at 3. Stay tuned for more. Pulse 95. This is the Halftime Show. With Omar Paduri on Pulse95. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back to the Halftime Show with Omar Duri. I'm your host covering everything sport, international and local. Guys, have you seen the Maradona movie, which was released this year? Now, if you haven't seen it, you have to watch it. We all know about Maradona's life on and off the field, but this gives you a real insight on what's going on. His life has always been, you know, magnified, and this movie gives a real insight on many things he encountered, as well as the well-publicized issues he had. Um, shout out to Omni as well, who's just leaving now. <laughs> um, the real publicized issues he had on and off the field. Now, he faced things in Argentina before his success, um, and that was under a lot of scrutiny. Then he went into Barcelona and faced issues there where he left that as well. And then more interestingly now for me, it's, it's Naples, Napoli, where he may have just solidified his existence as the greatest footballer ever. Now I know I already have, you know, people shouting at me saying, no, he isn't, Messi is. Well, guys, you might want to check this movie out because the timing of when all this happened and what he endured at the time was far superior to what we, let's say, are sugar-coated nowadays. And... Messi fans, I advise you to watch this because you might just change your mind on the gulf between the two players. It's not as far as you think. So with his own relationship with his own home country, that was phenomenal. Now let's start on the rise of Maradona, an era which saw him enter the scene with a certain Brazilian Pele conquering the world at a young age. So the comparisons were inevitable. Now, just on the field, but also off it. And Pele's character was very different in many ways to Maradona, something that often gets referred to by people who were closest to him at the time in that era was, at home he was Diego, but to the world he was Maradona. Now that is something to think about, especially with the, the, you know, the alter ego he had. 
They called him El Pibe de Oro, the golden child, as it was translated, and was always destined for incredible things. But one wonders how dominating the world would have been with Maradona not having his antics on the side and how he would do in the modern game today. Now, he transferred to Barcelona for a record fee at the time of 5 million euros. Guys, let me just say that again. 5 million euros from Boca Juniors in 1982, where he played 36 games and scored 22 goals. Now, in 1984, he broke another transfer record for 6.9 million where he moved from Barcelona due to a lot of trouble by the way and issues that he had in the city to move to Napoli now there's some famous clips of Maradona fighting literally for his life after a brawl broke out in Barcelona which for the modern fan is insane so when you when you google Barcelona and Maradona you'll normally see a brawl or a fight during a game or after a game where he was fly kicking, just trying to protect himself. So that's one thing I would bear in mind. Now, for those that probably weren't aware at that time, 1984, Napoli was the poorest city in the Italian league. So for the poorest city to have the most expensive player in the world, it really begins this chapter with a question mark. How was this transfer made? And how did they manage to get the funds to bring him to the club? I'll leave that up to you to put the pieces together. But if you think about it, the most expensive player in the poorest football club in Italy mm, sounds a bit dodgy so that's one thing Maradona was part of the Argentina youth squad that won the 1979 Youth World Cup in Japan he also holds the record for suffering the most number of fouls in a World Cup 53 fouls during the 1986 World Cup in Mexico and at that time by the way ladies and gentlemen fouls were very different <laughs> they weren't like a, a little pulled t-shirt or you know a scratch or someone grabs their face and rolls around nope you had to endure pain. So he also holds that record. He also holds the record for the most number of fouls suffered in one game in a World Cup when Italy fouled him 23 times in 1982. So there's a lot to think about when it comes to that. The era he was playing in, the style of play, the way referees let things roll. Those were things that were far superior to what we have nowadays. And Diego also scored his hand of God in the quarterfinal 1986 against England. Yes, England fans, I am bringing it up, you know, and it's not something we like to uh, brag about. But when he was quizzed about the incidents, he said the goal was scored a little bit by the hand of God and a little bit by the head of Maradona. So that infuriated people, absolutely drove them nuts at a time where the media went crazy, they called him a cheater, but quite frankly, he did not care. And that's what—that's the beauty of Maradona, you know, he, his, he was Mr. Football, that's what he wanted to do. Uh, and, and that was something that we saw him do for a very long time. So keeping that in mind, we move on forward and Maradona skipped Argentina to a World Cup glory in 1986 beating West Germany 3-2 in the final which put him on the map. On the map. Now he returned back to Napoli as a world champion at a time where Argentina were not necessarily fans of their own football team as the media highlighted them in a very negative light. So I noticed the chance in the changing rooms from the players was directed at their own country throwing insults at your own country and trying to prove not just the world wrong but the nation you represent now the correlation between napoli and, Mar and maradona was very similar as both were seen as outcasts and that was something that was highlighted throughout the movie now napoli in italy and maradona in argentina 
both came from a very humble, poor background. So there was this kind of uh, relation between the two. And I noticed that a lot. Shout out to Musab, Boss, and Majid, who are tuning on Instagram Live. But he won Serie A with Napoli in 1987, the UEFA Cup in 1989, and another Serie A, which is their, their league, in 1990. So by this stage of his life, he has now won over the Argentinian fans and the Napoli fans for an incredible achievement. So it's only right to represent Argentina in the country you play against them in the World Cup. Now try and picture yourself in this situation. You are Maradona, you represent Argentina, and you are going to be playing the World Cup in Italy where you play your club football in Napoli. Sounds like a movie, right? It is. That's exactly how the movie went. The World Cup 1990 Italia kicked off and the Argentina captain Maradona is about to face one of the hardest challenges in his life. Now, in a, in a, in a famous interview, he urges Napoli fans to support Argentina because for many years, Italy had looked down on Naples and then Napolitans called them scum. So his comments caused a lot of controversy as he urges them to support him and Argentina instead of going crazy. So I guess that's left a lot of thought in the Italian fans and the Argentinian fans and I guess it's also time for them to meet in the semi-final of the World Cup. Yes, you heard it right. Argentina with their captain Diego Maradona play Italy in the semi-final and sounds like a movie, right? This is real life. This actually happened and that's what happened except the Italian fans were booing the national anthem of Argentina and you could hear the disgruntlement of Maradona's voice when he was swearing back. Now, surely Maradona won't score the winning penalty to knock them out. He did exactly that, and that caused uproar. This changes everything. As from someone that wanted to leave Napoli publicly after winning his first title, the infamous Giuliano family in Italy held on to him for life until the World Cup happened, where Maradona was the most hated man in Italy and scrutinized for every move he did. He played 188 games, for Napoli scoring 81 goals. This man was truly remarkable. An unbelievable story. And I'm telling you things that you have to see in the movie, in his career, all out. And a lot of people, are, uh, shout out to Musab as well, who's saying Pele is better than him. Yes, he might have been. That's definitely a good point. But this man, his former teammate, George Valdano, said something which I really liked in 2006. He said... Maradona is someone people want to emulate, a controversial figure, love-hated, who stirs up upheaval, especially in Argentina. Stressing his personal life is a mistake. Maradona has no peers inside the pitch, but he has turned his life into a show and is now living a personal ordeal that should not be imitated. And I think that sums up Maradona to the T. Now, was he the greatest player ever? Could all, favorite, could all our favorite footballers such as Messi, Ronaldo, Zidane, Pele and Cristiano have played in his time with no VAR, no shirt pulling or two-footed tackles. Text us on 4215, do, and I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you think. Who is the greatest of all time? Coming up next, racism almost won by stopping a match from continuing in Bulgaria between England and Bulgaria in the European qualifier. Stay tuned for more on the Halftime Show right after this. We come back with a lot more. Stay blessed. You're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Oh, he loves the fire then. What a goal! This is the Halftime Show with Omar Adori on Pulse 95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back to the Halftime Show. Now, if you're just tuning in and want to catch up, like Junaid, um, on our shows... 
turn, they turn into podcasts, commercial and music free, which you can hear at your own convenience, whether you're in your car or out for a run. Just subscribe to the Halftime Show with Omar Dury and get to hear specialists in different fields, highlighting mental health, gut foods which help you function better emotionally, or even just your favorite sport to follow. Now, talking about sport to follow, on Monday... The Euro 2020 qualifier in Sofia between Bulgaria and England was stopped twice as home fans were warned about racist behavior, including Nazi salutes and monkey chanting. Now, it started off with Tyrone Mings, who had an incredible debut uh, for England, alerted the officials in the right way of what was happening. Shout out to Tyrone Mings, a friend of the show as well. It started to escalate when the England manager stepped in and alerted officials again. So that was two strikes. And it was announced on the Tannoy, and this three-step process, which has been highlighted recently, um, was actually in play, which was good to see. Now, is that a good sign that we're no longer ignoring it? That's something that I want to bring to fruition. Absolutely. It's about time. Why? Because I've mentioned it on the show that there's no place for racism in sport, let alone society. And for those that are trying to poison the game by being ignorant because of where you are from or what color skin you are, should be jailed, punished and banned for life. I've said this. I feel very strongly about it. There's no place for you uh, in society. If you have that kind of mentality and hopefully in jail, they'll educate you there. You um, don't have a place in sport, let alone society. And that's something that, at the end of the day, we breathe the same air. On Tuesday, UEFA charged the Bulgarian Football Union and its fans racist behavior, the throwing of objects and disruptions of a national anthem. And it carried on into the game. Now, European's football governing body, President Alexander Seferin, has urged the football family to wage war on the racists, while FIFA president Gianni Infantino called for life bans from stadium for those who are found guilty of racist behavior at a football match. So instead of wrapping up on ignorance, I'm going to congratulate my brother Tyrone Mings on his immaculate debut and his performance on and off the field, which is an example on how to handle situations like that. Now, here's what Tyrone had to say following the England victory against Bulgaria in the qualifiers. This is what Tyrone had to say. We had a conversation about it at halftime. Um, did we want to play on? Did we want to um, stop? But we made a collective decision to continue the game. We thought it was important that um, we'd heard it, that the protocols had been followed. Um, and if it happened again, we would have then perhaps moved on to the next step and come off the pitch. We said we were playing until half-time and then get together and decide what, what we want to do. And um, yeah, everyone wanted to, to carry on and, and do their talking on the pitch, um, which I'm extremely proud of. It's, it's not easy to to play in circumstances like that, but um, the 6 0 victory and, and the way we played, the manner in which we played, I'm extremely proud of, for sure. Uh, when I've talked to the players at the end, I think they still feel that you know they've um, they've been able to make a statement, but they also naturally because of they want to be recognised for their football. They want they were playing so well that they didn't want to leave the pitch at that moment as well. I'm sure that would have been part of their thinking. So um, I'm incredibly proud of all of the players and all of the staff. I don't think, uh, of course, we could be criticised for not going far enough. But I think we've made a huge statement and, um, frankly, we were in an impossible situation to get it right to the satisfaction of everybody. What a disappointing night. I mean, it's probably one of the most appalling nights I've seen in football. You know, Bulgaria is full of decent people and decent football fans. And a few people have embarrassed their country. 
And I would not try to take the moral high ground because we're still fighting racism in our country. But I do think UEFA have to take time to collect all the facts and then decide how to act appropriately. And that was following the game in Sofia between Bulgaria and England. And let's say it did not take the shine off the result and the performance. And I'm extremely proud of Tyrone Rings and the England team for holding their own and representing the right way. And that is how we're going to end this segment just before uh, the Adan kicks in. Guys, we salute you for representing the sport in the right way. This is Pulse 95. This is the Halftime Show with Omar Maduri on Pulse 95. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back to the Halftime Show. Now, it is that time. You know what? I'm going to switch up the music just because it's that time where it's the Game of Zones. And if you guys are just tuning in and wondering what the Game of Zones is, it's a time where I zone into Game of the Weekend. Now, because I have a special guest coming in on Saturday, I thought I'd give you that treat now rather than wait till later. And before I do that, I also got a shout out. I actually got... um. I got a text. I've got a text. Yep. Message. <laughs> From uh, Harkim, if I can say that right. Thank you for this piece on Armando Diego Maradona, my man, any day, any time. Hey, listen, it's great to have uh, you guys obviously connect with me. And for those that are tuned in on the Instagram live as well, shout out to Giko, George, Sam, Fatima Alakil, Patty, Dodi, Nadwa, Segridos in the building as well. So remember, this show will be nothing without you guys. And because it's that time of the day, what a great day it's been so far and a productive day. So in that segment where we have the Game of Zones, we zone into the Game of the Weekend. And I know I normally don't do this until Saturday. But as I said, I have an incredible guest, Bernadette Abraham, will be coming onto the halftime show. And we'll be talking nutrition and how gut health and emotional health play such an integral role in performance. It's going to be fire. Trust me, you're going to want to definitely, definitely tune into that. So any guesses who I'm going to pick for the game of the weekend? Close. Try again. One more time. <laughs> yes, it's Manchester United versus Liverpool in what is a very much anticipated clash. And we say that, but it's that kind of time where you're going to be thinking all sorts of thoughts. And it's what may seem like a foregone conclusion actually isn't as Klopp has never beaten Man United at Old Trafford. Did you know that? While Liverpool have not won any of their prize, uh, the five previous uh, visits there, so that's another stat for you guys, their last success came in March 2014, courtesy of a Steven Gerrard double and a Luis Suarez strike. Remember when Luis Suarez was involved in, uh, in Liverpool in the Premier League? days have flown now victory over man united would match the best startup to a premier league season and man city's top flight high of 18 wins in a row now three points for the reds at old trafford would equal chelsea's nine match winning streak from the start of 2005 2006 the longest perfect run at the beginning of a premier league campaign now liverpool were in training at melwood on tuesday uh, morning as preparations for the weekend trip to manchester United continued hoyle matip Alison Becker were among the players in the workout as they continue to make their way back to full fitness following their respective injuries. And even Mo Salah is actually going to be back as well. So that's another thing for you guys to ponder on. Now let's have a look at Liverpool's record. Liverpool have played eight matches and won eight, lost none and scored 20 goals conceding six. But they've only had two clean sheets. 
So that, that strikes a chord. So United do have a chance in actually scoring a goal because Alisson has not been there, but he might be returning this week, which means Adrian will drop to the bench. Now their goals per match is 2.50 and their aerial battles or their duels won is 556 within the eight games we've seen so far this season. Now that's Liverpool, but Manchester United goalkeeper David De Gea was withdrawn with a muscular injury during Spain's 1-1 draw with Sweden on Tuesday night. The Reds' number one appeared to pick up the problem when he took a goal kick during the second half of his country's Euro 2020 qualifier in Stockholm. Now, how key will that miss be for United? United have played eight matches, but only won two. That strikes a chord. Two out of eight is not good for a team like Manchester United, and that's something you definitely have to zone into when you look at that. They've only won two, they've lost three, they've only scored nine goals compared to Liverpool's 20, and they've conceded eight with only two. So they still have two clean sheets though, and that's another thing you gotta bear in mind. So even though they've had David De Gea, they still only kept two clean sheets, just like Liverpool. Their goals per match is 1.13, and their pass accuracy is 83%, which means they don't give the ball away that often. So possession is very key for them, especially playing at Old Trafford against Liverpool. That's going to be key. Their crossing accuracy is 24%. Now, I wouldn't be too disheartened by that, Man United fans, because, quite frankly, the way Van Dijk and Matip normally deal with crosses is pretty, pretty good. So you're going to have to find a different approach. And they have made 49 fouls so far in the, in the eight games. Now, what can we look into this? United have nearly conceded as much as they have scored. 9-8. to eight. Their being without their main attackers playing consistently, I don't really know. Does Oli know who his main man is? Is it Martial? Is it Rashford? Is it Greenwood? We still don't know. And as great as Liverpool have been, as I said, they've only kept two clean sheets like United. So probably that's due to change because Alisson might be coming back. Now, the fullbacks will provide width which will encourage a lot more crosses from either flank. United do have 66 headed clearances though, and 572 area battles or duels won. So United fans, don't worry too much about it. You pretty much have dealt with it so far this season, but can you deal with Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson's crossing? Now, with United having 66 headed clearances and 572 aerial battles or duels won, that might be a deciding factor on the outcome of the match, or will they tactically change their approach and encourage Salah, Mane and Firmino to play on the ground around Lindelof and Maguire, who aren't the most mobile? Now, United have lost to Liverpool at home in the last six competition games. Now, Oli said he hoped Paul Pogba, Anthony Martial and Jesse Lingard would return from the, for the visit for Liverpool while Luke Shaw started training again after recovering from a hamstring problem suffered in August. Mohamed Salah could also fear, uh, feature after injuring his ankle against Leicester City prior to international break and Jordan Shakiri and Joel Matip missed the win over the Foxes, Leicester City, but may be in contention. So let's think about that. We've broken down a couple of really cool stats for you guys, but who's going to be in charge? Mm. See, this is where I look into it even further. And my concern is Martin Atkinson will take charge of Sunday's match, which is not that bad. I think he's a good referee with Lee Betts and Konstantin Hadzidakis, if I can say that properly, and his assistants and jo John Moss as the fourth official. Now, Atkinson has been one of the Premier League's most experienced referees, let's say. And there's no stranger to this fixture. He was the man in the middle for both games in 2014-2015 and also officiated the last two visits at Anfield. The video assistant refereeing. <laughs> I hate talking about that, but that's going to be 
something we also have to look at because sometimes they have the biggest impact on what's going on. And that will be Mark Perry and David Coote. I hope you know what you're doing, my bro. It's a big game to be coaching. But what do you guys think? Text us on 4215. It's a do. Who's going to win? Liverpool or Manchester United? Or slide into our DMs at Pulse95 Radio or at Omar Dury. And tell me what you think. Who's going to win this game? Will it be the end for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer if he loses this? Is there pressure on the man to perform on the highest stage? That's something we have to really talk about. But coming up next, how you can win a signed shirt by the champions, our weekly shout-outs, of course, and our very own Pulse95 fantasy football competition update. It's coming up next, guys. You don't want to miss this. Stay tuned for more on Pulse95. Pulse95. Pulse. Oh, he loves the this is the Halftime Show with Omar Adori on Pulse95. Nice strike! Oh, better than nice! Yes, 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 it is that time. And of course, I've got to give out my shout-outs as I normally do in the final segment and it's a, it's a long list today guys by the way and if I do miss out your name just ping me again on Instagram live at Omar Duri or Pulse95 Radio and I'll do my best to give you that shout out before we wrap up but shout outs go to Gabby Janaid Kasim Giko Mustafa George Sam Fatima Lakil Patty Dodi Nedwa Abdullah Segredo oh man Kasim Mustafa, we got a lot of people tuned in today and I appreciate that guys. Remember this show would be nothing without you guys and that interaction is crazy. So I love it. I absolutely love it. We got a couple of questions to answer as well. Uh, Segredo asked, uh, you know, he, he said he believes that if, if Liverpool get the victory and United lose, does that, does that mean Oli will get fired? I personally believe he's got one or two games maximum to prove himself and if he doesn't, he will be released. So I definitely agree with that. Uh, Mustafa, he asks, who are you going to be supporting from Liverpool and United despite not supporting any of them normally? Oh, Mustafa, good question. You know what it is? I'm just worried with the hype and the build-up to this game that United will approach it cautiously and more will focus more on not losing than winning, which means a draw they'll be happy with, although they are, they are at Old Trafford. Um, that cautious approach I'm worried about. And Liverpool, I hope they come out and they blitz their normal performance and the energy levels are exciting and electric. When you see the front three, the hard work from the midfield, the solidarity from the back and Alisson in goal, I think it's going to be a great thing. Shout out to Della as well in Dubai. Uh, joined in on the Instagram live as well for, uh, for for giving us the, you know, the love that you guys give us. Uh, also... I've got a question from Kasim, and this is the only reason why I'm going to answer this, Kasim, because you should have been tuned in earlier, but because you're in the UK and you guys, again, always show love from the US, the UK and the UAE, I'm going to shout you guys out. Kasim asks, any thoughts on England versus Bulgaria? Well, if you do miss our shows, you can catch us on Apple Podcast or SoundCloud. Just type in the Halftime Show with Omar Dury and we are there. So to answer your question, Kasim, I thought... It was very impressive by Tyrone Mings the way he handled it. That's one thing. Uh, I also um, was very happy to see that the game wasn't stopped, even though there's this new three-step phase that you can now call off a game. It goes through uh, the officials, the management, and then finally the players walk off. I know that the um, 
the president of the FA in Bulgaria resigned following this incident. So it's clearly it's clearly hit home. But I think the president of Bulgaria threw him under the bus a bit. This isn't just a problem in football or sport. This is a problem in society. And I think that's something they have to address immediately. Not just in Bulgaria, by the way. That was a minority of people. So anyone from Bulgaria, trust me, we know it's that's just a minority and not the majority of people. But that's something in Europe we've talked about, and especially on the Halftime Show, we've addressed serious issues like racism in sport and how society needs to educate those people, the minority, of what, sh- how you should be treated and how you should not be making these kind of comments. Shout out to R. Kapoor as well, who's just joining on, on the Instagram Live. But that's what my take is on racism in sport, especially following the Bulgaria-England game. Something that I absolutely you know, don't have time for when it comes to that. But a massive shout out to Tyrone Mings, a friend of the shows as well. Um, we salute you for your debut and also a clean sheet and hopefully many more to come for you. A shout out to Huda as well, uh, a goalkeeper who, who's played uh, national football actually for the UAE. And she's joining Banias Football Club. So we wish you all the best here from the Halftime Show. Shout out to Huda as well for that. And obviously, I can't leave my own, uh, my own, you know, Pulse95 family, man, Aisha, Ray, Mikey, the whole lot. Shout out to them as well for being super cool uh, and also being so supportive. And shout out to Gabby as well. So that's my shout outs. But however, what's coming up? On Saturday, Bernard Abraham is coming into the studio and I can't wait for that because that's going to be fire. It's going to be fire and I like it. I like it, the fact that we're going to have someone in coming in all the way to talk about gut foods, emotional health, physical health and how it impacts sport. It's going to be a different angle and you know we don't do things normally here on the Halftime Show. Take a little twist to it and she's going to be here on Saturday 3 to 4 for those that are tuning in. You don't want to miss this. It's going to be a great show. She's going to be talking all about probiotics, how things go internally, which a lot of people sometimes get fooled by the external version. So you could have someone who looks super fit, but very unhealthy inside the gut and vice versa. So she will be coming in on the show. We also have to give a shout out to Ahmed Deeb, who is the top of the Pulse95 fantasy football competition we have here with 460 points and also guys we are giving away a Sharjah signed shirt the champions of the Arabian Gulf League um, are we're giving away at the end of the month a signed shirt by these guys all you have to do is hashtag my Sharjah FC and tag us and let us know why you deserve to win it and we will give you the shirt for free sound good thought so all right guys that's coming up to the full time on the halftime show thank you so much for being part of this we love you here at pulse 95 and we will see you on saturday three to four coming up next we've got aisha mazmi and mikey who are going to be doing the afternoon karak they're amazing guys stay tuned for more on pulse 95 this is pulse 95 tune in live every monday wednesday and saturday from 3 p.m 